Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing fairness in sport. Peter, can you lead us in and tell us why we want to talk about this? I'll try and do this sympathetically and un, un, uncontroversially. Uh, but just stick to the facts, Pedro. Stick to the facts. Yeah, so um, there's been uh, a few high-profile uh, athletes um, uh, talking about fairness in sport, particularly women's sport, uh, in reaction to a number of fairly high-profile wins by transgender athletes. Um, so notably, Sharon Davis uh, has called, has said that uh, there needs to be some protections put in for women's sports. Uh, and uh, Martina Navratilova, uh, slightly less uh, sort of uh, uh, politically uh, astutely, said, said that uh, that transgender women could be uh, could be called cheats within within women's sport because they have unfair physical advantages because of certain physical characteristics. So um, really, uh, it's an interesting topic, uh, and I think it's worthy of some deeper analysis so why is it interesting to you uh, well it's interesting because i think that you know well what, what i'd like to explore what the possible alternatives might be so we have uh, a, a traditional binary gender approach to sport with you have men's sport and you have women's sport very occasionally you have mixed sport and in a world where uh in an increasingly sort of liberal world uh where the genders matter less and less and less and in a world where gender identity is much more fluid, um, do we need to change it? And if so, how can we change it so that it's fair fair on everyone? I mean, yeah, I guess the starting point is the, as you said, like the first split straight there is a gender split, split in sport. And that exists because, presumably, because of fairness, essentially. Um, well, I think we really want to drill into what that means. So let's do that. Well, I, OK, I mean humans differ on all kinds of characteristics right so i mean you've got sort of of gender height weight um you know you're uh handsome what, not so handsome uh exactly you didn't see where fraser was pointing there but i was pointing to you first listeners and can listeners can uh, <laughs> can draw their own conclusions um and you know and then obviously such skin color eye color uh, you know things like your length of name and stuff now obviously some of these we have decided uh you know deserve or for you know various reasons it is not it's not it's good to hive off people with certain characteristics and say you can have your own sport uh, or in the case of gender actually lots of other activities i mean sort of acting springs to mind where you know there are separate oscars for 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 um best actor and best actress and so on um so, you know, clearly we have made that judgment that some of these characteristics are in some way is good to separate uh, out on that basis when you're doing sport and and others we don't. So we don't have race based, uh, you know, uh, Olympics, but we do have the Paralympics, which is based on, you know, certain measurable physical characteristics that you have. Um, so that there there is the first question is why is there anything meaningful about those characteristics? Do they do they is 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 it is it in some sense good to have separate uh, sporting events for for men and women? Um, 
you, you know, given, given that actually in a lot of other contexts, we, tr we try to minimize the impact of gender. Uh, we, we try not to discriminate on the basis of gender as far as we can. Um, so, you know, what's the argument in that case? And, and does it, would it make sense to have um, an, an Olympics for, you know, for, for only for sort of brown eyed people or, you know, or, and if not, why not? Yeah, no, and I'm aware this is... It's or an Olympics for fat people. Yeah. De or, dear to my heart. I mean, the, look, the concept yeah. of Or an Olympics just for white people, okay? Right. So, I mean, so this is... the I have tried to look for what, you know, what is the state of scholarship uh, on, on this topic. And I have to say it seems to be a bit uh, under-researched. I, I, I wouldn't say that I found uh, any really clear sort of statements of what the issues are here. Um, I, and I think my, my feeling would be, OK, right away that we're going to be looking at a bunch of trade offs. It is not going to be possible to find some really, really neat um, rationale for, OK, we have we have sport for women, but not for, you know, not for any. We, and we have sport, you know, specifically for amputees, but we don't have sporting events for, you know, for, for tall, tall people, say, you know. So to summarize then where we where we, we got so so far with our introduction which is there's this set of rules in place that divides up in one way which I, I guess it seems sort of a normal way to divide things but that's just because maybe we're used to it if we actually drill down into that a little bit it can feel a little bit not arbitrary but why divide that like that and not i mean i think way? we can start from the assumption that women's sport is a good thing right i, I don't I, I mean it, you know it was it's very old as well apparently i mean apparently women had there was a women's olympics in ancient greece as well the the uh, herian games um which uh, was very similar you know that women ran similar distances the only the only one of the main distinctions was they didn't have to run fully naked like the men did yeah, spoil the fun, which i that. am uh, i can't imagine doing a sprinting naked <laughs> I, I find that a very odd idea but um but anyway, so uh, it's an odd idea, and I, I think I think we can start with the assumption that it is clearly good to have things like women's football uh, because it encourages lots of people to play sport. I'm not I'm not particularly keen on sport, but lots of people are, and it's it seems to me like yeah, uh, I mean, women aren't going to be able to compete in a lot of those areas if if there was no distinction made about gender, um, and that would negatively harm participation in sport. So, you know, okay, let's start from the assumption that it is doing something good. Um, and then ask the question of, well, are there other categories that are worthy of the same? Um, well, okay, so which avenue do you want to go down? Or do I explore other categories or or return to our initial question well, I've, I've here? created a bit of my own theory. Well, I want to hear from Peter first. Yeah, yeah well, so, so just to, to, to explain sort of a little bit of how it's done at the moment. So the, the commission that decides on the rules for competing in the Olympics, for example, uh, have, uh, until around, I think, 2012, had a rule where... Uh, it was possible to compete as a transgender athlete in 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 a particular class if you're uh, in the women's events if your um uh testosterone level was below a certain threshold and that's your sort of i think that's the normal day-to-day -day testosterone level you some sort of average that you that, that you have present in your system uh was below a certain level but now that's been that the problem that the, the controversy is sort of uh, come up again because that that condition has been relaxed in so now it's it's more about your personal choice and your well, it's personal relaxed because they were you know cis women uh who had testosterone levels that were higher than yes, the yeah amount, yeah yeah so it, and it's it's a, it's it's it, so it, to my mind it's a, it's a pro it's a conflict between a very traditional view of gender being a binary thing that's decided at birth uh versus something that's much more uh 
uh, now a personal uh, personal decision or a personal preference or a personal or a sort of a, uh, where you find yourself after exploring yourself in throughout to adulthood adulthood um, so it's about how you identify yourself which is runs counter to the existing historical traditional approach to to the sport so perhaps there's a perhaps there's a way of rather than having gender-based sport male and female events uh, having a some sort of league system and i know I, I it could get quite complicated but it's based on a set of characteristics measurable characteristics so one of them might be testosterone one of them might be uh you're just an absolute physical strength it might be your absolute sort of vo2 max and things so you would you would have top leagues which would probably be largely dominated by male athletes in for certain events so cycling would probably be male dominated at the top but there'll be other leagues lower down which are no less prestigious but uh, have different different other types of people. But I think you've I think you've undermined what you just said in a way. I mean, if you're going to have leagues that are lower down, you can't they can't but not be less prestigious. You know, that's that's the problem here. Um you know, you're you're going to you that's that's why we have hived off women's sport separately. I mean, you you you're just you're just going back to a situation which you know, you're more as saying we'll just put everyone in the same pot and then we'll we'll make an arbitrary cutoff somewhere. And then say, oh well, you lot. Oh well, great, you're top of the B of the B league. You know, well done you. Mm. But we all know that actually that's lower than the bottom yeah. of the A league. Um, and I, I so I, I mean, you know, with the, with the, how how else could we approach it? I mean, if well, like, if, okay, we, so, if we I mean, lowered the stakes for everything, proposals. so there was no such thing as professional sport, then it would be churlish to to actually get too worked up about which league you're in. Yeah, I mean, Peter. This is a classic Peter engineering approach. He's trying to re-engineer everything from the top from the top down. I mean, so I, I just having a think about what kinds of characteristics work in this context. What characteristics could you imagine using? And I think there's, I, I, I at least came up with sort of four um, aspects of a feature, which I think are going to be important here. One is meaningfulness, which is, you know, does it actually matter to your performance of the sport? So I mean, I mean, you know, I I can't remember if there's women's snooker anymore or women's darts, but um, that that seems to me like a classic situation where, well, if it doesn't make any make much difference to your ability, uh, if there's no meaningfulness in that feature in terms of the performance in the sport, it's hard to imagine why you would want to hive it off separately. So we're looking for something which is correlated with performance for a start, right? Basic kind of stage one. Then you know, is it unambiguously measurable? And, um, you know, in the old days, we would have said, well, obviously, what gender you are, that's dead easy. Right. But now, of course, we are running against up against the, the problem of, um, you know, g- sort of genuinely non-binary aspects of gender, which we might want to take on board. So things like testosterone levels um, and, and particularly in the case of transgender people uh, where you're going to have a mixture of, of both sets of characteristics you know um then there's this sort of issue of quantitative versus qualitative and i think this if you look at something like the um uh paralympics where you know if you're an amputee that's very obviously qualitative i mean you 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 know you either have a leg or you don't um but there and then of course there are lots of other uh things that impairments that it kind of have these arbitrary cutoffs to get into the paralympics like like sort of leg length difference for example so if you have a certain difference in your leg length uh, if it's sufficiently high you can get into the paralympics if you're not quite there well bad luck you're never going to make it in the uh in the olympics um you know so uh you, that 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 when you have these quantitative variables you you are going to start to find these edge cases which become difficult 
Um, and then the final thing is, it, I think it's important that you wouldn't willingly change it because I think that would then disincentivize um, or incentivize potentially harmful behavior. So, for example, if you had an Olympics for uh, for fat people, um, you, you it's reasonable to think, well, people would become incentivized to be unhealthy in that regard. You know, I wonder and, if Coca-Cola and, and, and McDonald's would sponsor that one. They should really. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> go on. So so I think they, they were four things that I was thinking about. And, and you know, actually, the, the, they're all quite important. But but when if we're going to subject a proposed feature to examination, I mean, the gender worked beautifully up till recently you know and there's the problem that it has ter- it has gone from being something that's binary and qualitative to being something that actually is hard to measure um and 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 quantitative and so i think that's why it's become you know problematic and, and it means that we're going to end up with with edge cases there's no way around that you know you you you, you can't have have a perfect system on a quantitative variable where, where, where you don't get cases where someone is just above or below a cutoff and and you know forced uh, you know, people in just who are in that category are going to see that as unfair potentially. But of course, perhaps it's unfair to that person if they're having to compete against people in the you know yeah. next rung and, up. And indeed, yeah, you couldn't. Yeah, you, uh, one size fits all rule won't work because humans vary day to day, minute to minute, depending on how hard you train or what kind of training you do. Your testosterone level will change. Um, and other other characteristics. I mean, we have we have weights in boxing, right? Now, Fraser, you're a boxing man. Certainly am. And um, you know that you that could be subject to these kinds of discussions. I think particularly the thing about willing willingly would you willingly change it? Um, you know, uh, because obviously, I mean, I'm assuming that at least for some people, it's possible through diet and exercise for them to either be a small heavyweight or a big, you know, welterweight or whatever. Um, that happens a lot. Yeah. So right. So what's the, what's going on there? I mean, do people, is it the case, however, as I sort of suspect, that actually, even though, yeah, it's great to be a, a um, you know, a good featherweight, really the top of the boxing, uh, crit, uh, you know, league is really actually heavyweight. And you can't, you, you know, it's, it, you really, if you, everyone would, if they could choose, actually be the best heavyweight in the world. It's hard to say because, I mean, there definitely is a certain prestige um, and a certain kudos to being, um, I think it's super heavyweight is the is the classification, um, to being that champion of, especially if you can unify all the different belts, and you're perceived as being you you're probably the 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 best. Because if you're the biggest, you can probably beat anyone else. Well, right? that's the question. So yeah. is it conceivable that a really good flyweight could beat a super heavyweight? No, I don't think so. I mean, they're big units, these lads. They are. And, and, and you can... Mind you, I mean, I don't know, it'd be interesting to How see. How many flyweights could... would you need to knock out a Mike Tyson? <laughs> but it might be that sort of thing where he's just a flyweight just running round and round the, <laughs> yeah, the, the tiring ring. Tiring them out. But, 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 also this gen- but also, for example, there's... Um, but it, it doesn't always apply. So there is. So you've got this phrase which you hear: the best pound for pound boxer in the world, and you hear that, and it's to try and achieve some kind of um, evening out. And so, for example, some of the biggest boxers in the world most recently is I can never say his surname is Manny Pacquiao, Pacquiao, Pacquiao. He's from the Philippines, um, who had a number of fights with. Um, Oh, I've forgotten his name, but it is an American boxer. You follow boxing very closely. I do. Um, Who is one who had this, you know, retires, comes back, retires, come back. But those two were extremely famous and and but the other thing just about boxing is actually heavyweights are not always the most interesting to watch because they can come to be quite slow quite sluggish and it can be a bit of a slugfest this is one of the key arguments for having this it's i mean i've mentioned participation but you know obviously 
there's also a, an aspect of it being more interesting. OK, I mean, look at online matchmaking, right? So this is something that people who have multi who, you know, run multiplayer game servers have to think about is uh, you have some very experienced people and you have people who are total noobs. And matchmaking is about trying to put people in, up against people who are roughly their level. Um you know, and, and uh, how you do that is, is sort of, uh, you know, it varies by game to game. But I mean, the, the point is that it's clearly a laudable aim. I mean, it is a good thing to put people who are roughly evenly matched together. It's more interesting for everyone, mm. you know. So so there is an argument for doing that. Um, but, but it becomes problematic because actually, you know, if you're really good, uh, you know, if you're really good in League 5, you might suddenly find yourself being back to square one in League 4. So, you know yeah I, I i mean i guess what i'm saying is it's trade-offs all the way down and yeah. uh we i don't think we should there isn't it's it's a complex problem i don't think there is a clear answer really so peter you literally i've got a question well, i've, got a, I've got, got a question boxing question yeah since fraser's our sort of emotional expert in the room um no, no, is it talk, thinking about the the incentivizing dangerous behavior is it the case that someone a boxer who's sort of borderline between two weights might choose to try to compete the lower weight because they are going to be at the top of that bound and possibly sort of the, therefore the strongest and the heaviest and the most able to sort of take the punches um and in doing so in, to get there they will potentially diet and exercise more dangerously like to more to more of a higher extreme in order to make that weight category so the answer is i don't know um i think I think a boxer wouldn't regularly try and fight in that in that weight category. Um, I think, but also the other thing is that I could be wrong on this, but generally, the, as I said, the, the 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 bigger the weight, the more the prestige and the mm. more opportunities. And so I think boxers tend to box up right. rather than down. Uh, I could be completely wrong on that. And there's another aspect, which is as a career um, progresses, you you tend to see boxers going up through different weights rather than down yeah, okay. or staying the same. And I think that's also just the way the body ages and, and you know... And, and as the more you train, the sort of more mass you put yeah, on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's how it works. I could be completely wrong. Personally, I always just boxed in the same weight, <laughs> which was overweight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just one thing we're close to uh, wanting to finish there's one thing I want to question, ask about which is um, we, we talked about the ambiguity that there is now and, and apologies I don't necessarily know the correct vocabulary here but because we were saying that gender used to be relatively simple it's sort of yes no kind of thing um, but there's this element of now that sort of self-identification but based on mm. on certain I think, I think uh, it's factors. always I think it's always been complicated but it's becoming more officially yeah. recognized as being more yeah more diverse and so I saw I mean this gets called into question uh, this this sort of almost self-classification um, and I remember there's a I forgot you we, I'm sure you would know who it is there's a quite a right a darling of the right wing American Jewish I think he's an ex-lawyer from Harvard or something um who's who just takes quite great joy on youtube tearing apart liberals okay do you know who i mean i don't know Are there's you... lots of the which one number <laughs> yeah <laughs> i forget his name but anyway there was there was he was being questioned there was a, a student saying look you know why can't people self-identify their gender and his response repost was well look how old are you can you if you want to say you're 60 you know can you just say you're 60 and that's that when you're actually 25 
Um, but it seems to me that the question, but yeah, that's a good bit of diversion. Yeah. And, but there is, there are some, you know, there are some differences here, but given this is what sort of caused this, um, uh, confusion, ambiguity, what, what, how does that hold up to analysis? Um, this question of what's happening here in gender. Well, my point of view is that there's no right answer. He got to do what, what Aleph Insights is always going to do, which is, you know tell you to work out what you're trying to achieve that that's what are you attempting to achieve because the answer is going to be different you know there is going to be this trade-off between fun inclusion and fairness right you can't in a way have all three it's going to be someone is going to lose out so you you just have to you know do you want something that's very easy to measure and therefore uncontroversial in terms of inclusion yes you are definitely you know allowed in the paralympics or not um it, or you know uh, or do you want to have something where there's you know there's more sort of judgment but the more, more potential for someone to um you know for, to get in who actually looks like they probably shouldn't you know that that that's the issue mm. I, I mean the more you allow self identification the more you um, you know, water down the crispness of that distinction, um, and uh, it, it seems to me, you know, if you, if you just simply allowed people to self-identify, they would always identify as the thing that they were most likely to win at. And uh, I mean, that surely we don't want that. Mm. I mean, you know, in the long run, it's hard to see why you would want that outcome. Um, before we finish off, there's a question I want to ask. Before we do, anyone want to say anything, Peter? Okay. Here's a question. Um, slightly loaded because I kind of know the answers. Um, I want you to tell me what sport you are best at, okay, in which you are most skilled, either in the past or even now. Because um, you're obviously quite, you know, athletic. I can see that. Anyone can, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, tell me about which sport you historically have been best at or, or are good at now. Uh, Peter. Well, I'm used least rubbish at cycling, I right. think. Uh, yeah. But I'm pretty still pretty, still pretty rubbish at that. Okay, all right. Okay, and and, and with things like Strava, I have a very good idea of how rubbish I am at it because I got good stats about the the rest of the population that <laughs> run, run that uh, takes certain routes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so even when trying extremely hard, I'm pretty low down on any given any given list. Okay, all right. Um, this is going to blow your mind, Nick. Tell me, but I I was what I was actually best at was running. Back in the day, really sh- sprinting, yeah, sprinting. Yeah. I was like a streak of white lightning. About thirty years ago, uh, it was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. It was. Yes, actually, pretty much exactly thirty years ago. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of confidence as well. I was quite good at hurdling because I just didn't care. I, I was. I used. You know, I wasn't put off. But and then when I got a bit older, I think I I I, I lost my I lost my um, mojo. You know, I could really fit. I, but gained I, other I was things. worried about jumping over hurdles i was kind of worried about running too fast um and uh yeah i I slipped back from being in the sort of very top uh always sort of coming second or third to to being and being a nothing in in terms of running and then that's it really that's my the only time i've ever been good at a sport um i have to say i've never yet done a sport that i've really genuinely enjoyed uh yeah i'm much more of a solitary activities guy certainly never like team sports more of a board gamer board gaming yeah Yeah. i could hold my own in some board games it's a shame because chess used to be in the olympics and you know uh we need to see if we can get twilight zone in there or something um i'm actually quite sporty Uh, totally made up a game called (laughs) twilight zone there's no such game what's it called well i don't know given that you've just made up a totally made something up what's that absurd um cold war one 
Twilight Struggle. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> there um, is act. There are competitive leagues for that. I wouldn't stand a chance. But okay. I'm pretty sporty actually. Um, I was the first person in my school in my year to win house colours, uh, which was for water polo, war swimming and water sport. So I was amazing at water polo. Um, which you have to be. It's an extremely vicious sport. Mm, it is and yeah. very um, tough. It's you know it's, it's stu- bloody stupid water polo. <laughs> we all know it. And then the other, and actually, in, but as I get older, what I'm good at now, and I get the opportunity to play it most days, is table football. Is I am mm. I'm a pretty. I think you is, just is laid a down a gauntlet there, or a game. I believe I could, I could smash your face off at. Uh, table football but that's for another yeah another i day. doubt that but yeah. let's see okay we'll wind no up spinning there. allowed no of course not yeah, yeah good um okay we'll stop there uh thank you as always for listening to the cognitive engineering podcast i'm fraser mcgrew we've been here with nick Hare and peter cockhill of aleph insights and until next time goodbye <laughs>